Fishing for a show aimed at the outdoor enthusiast? Tune in to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, Saturday at 10 a.m. and 5 p.m. Eastern on Rural Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 147, and on the Sirius XM app. Welcome in to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, brought to you by Bass Pro Shops. If you love fishing, hunting, and the great outdoors and want to make it even better, you're in the right place with host Rob Keck. Your adventure starts right here. Good morning and welcome and thanks for tuning in to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, brought to you by Bass Pro Shops, where truly your adventure starts right here. I'm Rob Keck, your host. What a great day it is. Great to be with you and what a wonderful show we have On this Thanksgiving week, we have so much to be thankful for, and let's give thanks to our God Almighty for the blessings of our faith, our families, our flag, our freedom, freedom that's the envy of so many people around the world. We are truly blessed, and as we gather around the Thanksgiving turkey, for many, it reminds us about how blessed we are to have the privilege to hunt, to fish, and explore our vast public lands. On today's show, we have several outstanding guests. The first, the 53rd Secretary of the U.S. Department of Interior, the Honorable David Bernhardt. Other guests will be members of the Hunting and Shooting Sports Conservation Council. We'll talk about the priorities of the Council of Interior and of Agriculture, organizations they represent. Well, before we meet today's guests, I just want to mention that the magic of Santa's Wonderland is back at Bass Pro Shops with the arrival of Santa. And yes, the jolly old elf has returned to Bass Pro Shops where the kids can get a free photo with Santa free crafts, activities, toys for the kids of all ages, this and a whole lot more, right up until Christmas. Special buys for everybody. So plan on loading up the crew, head to the nearest Bass Pro Shops, Cabela's, get that Christmas shopping done. And for more information, check us out at BassPro.com. Well, to get us started on today's show, we are at the Department of Interior in Washington, D.C., where the Hunting and Shooting Sports Conservation Council, a federal advisory council for the sectors of interior and agriculture, are meeting and discussing important conservation initiatives that are important to the future of hunting and recreational shooting on our public lands. During the meeting, the secretaries both of interior and agriculture are addressing this 18-member council that's comprised of leaders from throughout the hunting, recreational, sports shooting and conservation community. Outdoor World is once again privileged to have with us the 53rd Secretary of the U.S. Department of Interior, hailing from the great public land state of Colorado, the Honorable David Bernhardt. Mr. Secretary, welcome back to Outdoor World Radio. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, our nation celebrates Thanksgiving. In our great nation, we have so much to be thankful for. And if you don't mind, would you just share... Maybe some of the few things that you are thankful for here at Interior, our nation, and your family. And I heard you talk about that this morning as you opened up the council meeting. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head that everything begins with freedom and liberty. Um, And um, the reality is I'm incredibly thankful uh, to have the opportunity to work for a president who fundamentally believes in the wisdom of the American people and that uh, we thrive uh, most uh, when we um, we are um, provided uh, liberty and, and opportunity, whether it's uh, opportunity for the our, our economic pursuits or opportunity to get out and share um, the outdoors uh, with our families, um, and particularly on, on public lands, to share the opportunity to enjoy, recreate, and take part in um, the fall activities that I'm so passionate about, hunting and fishing. Well, the Hunting and Shooting Sports Conservation Council, of course, meeting here today at Interior, you've addressed the council. Could you just briefly share that message that you gave to this conservation community, this community of hunting and shooting, recreational shooting leaders here at the council? Well, and that's really the... This this organization is a very important organization, and it um, has wonderful representatives that provide the Department of the Interior and the Department of Agriculture um, advice on a whole host of uh, hunting and shooting uh, and conservation pursuits. And my message to them was, number one, I... Um, at the president's direction and focused, focused on implementing um, the ideas and uh, recommendations that they come up with. And we are focused on results. Right now, um, we stand uh, in an administration that has either opened or expanded access 
uh, for hunting and fishing to 1.7 million acres of land just wow. managed by the Department of the Interior. And we are focused on ensuring that hunters and anglers have uh, access have simplified regulations on our federal lands, and we are focused on those true conservationists of America. Well, Mr. Secretary, we have many listeners that hunt, they shoot, they recreate, they're on ranches, they're on farms, they're on so many areas that are adjacent to public lands. The conservation projects that, that go on there is just, just amazing. This council, certainly unique, it's important to you, our country, and the Trump administration, why is that? Why is this council an important element for, for those people that love the outdoors? Well, I think it's critical for um, policymakers and regulators um, to hear from the folks that are actually wearing the boots um, that are on the ground. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty uh, easy um, to put on a pair of ill-fitting boots and, and say that there's a rub. Um, it's a little harder for me to look at that boot and say how it's rubbing. And, and that is that is really the purpose of this. We are so interested in uh, having representative organizations uh, provide us input on what is working, uh, what could be working better, um, and what... Um, is not working. And we take those things and we apply them uh, to the field. I also have a, a group internally made up of uh, what we call our hunt and fishing chiefs within the Fish and, Fish and Wildlife Service that are on a, on a regular basis providing me ideas that they're seeing on the ground um, uh, from the regulatory side of how we can do things better, how we could um, uh, do more. And, and that those two pieces of information coming into me simultaneously, I think gives me a good sense of what's happening on the ground and how we can make things better on the ground. Ultimately, uh, we want to have healthy wildlife populations. We want to have healthy opportunities for people. And, um, and we want to be good neighbors. Well, that's going to take us to our first break. Folks, when we return, going to continue our conversation with the Secretary of the Department of Interior, the Honorable David Bernhardt. This and a whole lot more coming right up. And I'm Rob Keck, your host here on Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. I'm Larry Weissen, life member of the Dallas Safari Club, and I'd like to invite you to become a member of the world's finest outdoor conservation organization whose mission revolves around wildlife conservation, education, and hunter advocacy. DSC is a worldwide organization comprised of like-minded outdoor people who have granted more than $4 million in the last two years in support of projects involved in the scientific-based management of wildlife and habitat. To learn more and become a member, please go to biggame.org. In 1912, Theodore Roosevelt said, There can be no greater issue than that of conservation in this country. More than a century later, his statement has never been more meaningful. The Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership promotes Roosevelt's commitment to the sporting life by guaranteeing that all Americans have quality places to hunt and fish. Visit trcp.org to learn more and take action. Back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World on Rural Radio, Sirius XM. And welcome back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World right here in Rural Radio. And if you've just tuned in, we're visiting with the 53rd Secretary of the U.S. Department of Interior, David Bernhardt. Mr. Secretary, topping the list of today's needs of hunters and anglers is having that place to hunt or fish. You mentioned in that earlier segment about how many acres have been opened up you know, it was announced, I think there was, what, 74 national wildlife refuges, 15 national fish hatcheries, and, you know, your agencies led the way in opening up and increasing recreational access to public lands, and give us some idea what you see in the next 14 months. I think that uh, you you made us, uh, well, you made us aware that uh, there's some good things yet to come. Uh, well, that that's right. I mean, if you, if you look, uh, if you look at our progress, um, uh, the first year we were in office, uh, we opened about 250,000 acres, um, uh, in, in 2018, we opened 130,000 in 2017, and then we opened 1.4 million. And, uh, the interesting thing is I work for a president who expects results. So he didn't, he doesn't take that 1.4 million and say, 
great job, David. You hit it out of the park. Stop. He takes it and says, David, you hit it out of the park. We need to do more. And so, um, so I think uh, our 10 hunting and fishing chiefs um, are scrambling, and I think we're going to come out with something really special next, next uh, summer. Uh, but the reality is we're at 1.7 million acres today, which is larger than the entire state of Delaware. Oh, my gosh. And so that's, that's a good piece of, of property. Um, and what this means uh, to me is at the same time we're doing that, we're also de-conflicting um, our regulations with state hunting and fishing regulations so that they line up more closely. So we have actually removed um, about 2,100 regulations from our books and simplified about 2,900 refuge uh, specific regulations to more closely match uh, the state. So not only are hunters uh, uh, getting more opportunities, but um, they're able to take advantage of those opportunities without needing a lawyer to tell them uh, what hoops they need to jump through. And that's important to us because ultimately this is all about um, sustainable wildlife populations and about getting people out and, um, and enjoying uh, the great gifts that God gives us. Well, it is so important. You know, right now it's waterfowl season. Duck and goose season's open across the country. I know many hunters, have, they've dropped out of hunting waterfowl because of those regulations, and you've done so much. And, you know, they've been deluged with these regulations not matching up with the states. And uh, I just want to salute you on this effort to reduce those regulatory burdens on the public and uh, it, it is so important. Well, moving on to ESA, the Endangered Species Act. Uh, you know, you've led the way in, in stewardship and in, in, in stewarding conservation, encouraging recreation, expanding access to the public. But talk to us about ESA. Uh, what is the purpose of ESA? And tell us about some of the reforms that are going on there that uh, you are leading the way on. Well, first, let me say that um, I think one of the greatest um, characters of the American people is um, our belief um, that uh, we need to have sustainable populations of wildlife. And, um, and we, that is one of the things that's embodied uh, in the Endangered Species Act. So as a goal, it's an incredible goal. Uh, we have some places where, um, you know, the application of the Endangered Species Act by the regulators is a little rough. And so our entire focus has been to um, look at those rough edges and sand them in a way to, that, uh, that requires common sense, does good for species, and also does uh, benefit people. And so what we're doing, for example, is saying we want the best science from the states and we're going to really work uh, and, and listen to their scientists. Uh, we say... Certain places for certain species, there's uh, ways to tailor, you know, um, fine-tune the provisions of the ESA to be focused on the problems that exist, but not a burden to everybody uh, where, where it's not a problem. And so we're focusing these things with special rules. And so ultimately, this all goes back that we need public and we need private lands involved in the conservation of species, we can't just do it ourselves. And by sanding these rough edges, I fundamentally believe that we keep um, people invested in the great goal of our country, which is to have uh, wildlife conservation across the board. We lead the world. We lead the world in wildlife conservation. So you hear, you know, at times you hear criticisms about the United States. Here's one area you can know. The American uh, leadership came up with the uh, Amer North American uh, wildlife conservation model. Every uh, duck stamp has gone for great conservation uh, efforts uh, for migratory birds. And hunters and fishers are doing their part to uh, conserve these wildlife. And it's actually the best model on the planet. I've got to ask you, it's hunting season, it's fishing season. Have you been out? So I, any plans for this fall? So I was out two weeks ago, uh, caught some really nice stripers uh, in the Chesapeake Bay, and, uh, and I'll be out uh, waterfowl uh, season as soon as uh, we hit the day before Thanksgiving. Yeah. How about a Thanksgiving message as we close out this part of the show? You know, it's a special time of year for this country, for the people of this great nation, and we have so much to be thankful for. Why don't you give us a final thought here? In this portion of the show. 
Well, I would say this. Uh, we are all so blessed, particularly in this country. I tell my children every day, uh, you won the lottery by being uh, born here, irrespective. Everybody gets an opportunity to, um, to strive and thrive. And I think that we all need to recognize that freedoms, our freedoms are not free. And uh, we need to be protecting our rights. Uh, we need to be thoughtful um, on our leadership. And we need to be resilient in um, ensuring that um, we maintain the freedom that we've been given. Well, Mr. Secretary, unfortunately, we're out of time. Time goes way too fast. But thanks for being with us today. All the best in your continuing leadership here at Interior. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. And we return, we're going to meet some members of the Hunting and Shooting Sports Conservation Council. This and much more coming right up. I'm Rob Keck. You're listening to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, and we'll be right back. This is a public service announcement test from TakeMeFishing.org to determine if you need a fishing license and boat registration before heading out on the water. Let's begin. Are you a bear? Do you have a beak? Does your name rhyme with Ald Beagle? Do you dart in front of cars? Here's a tough one. Do you have plumage? Do you rub your body against things to mark them? Do you have webbed feet? No, I mean like a... Were you hatched? Do you have fur? I'm not talking back hair. Does your boat fly south for the winter with the other boats? Regardless of how you answer, you need to be licensed and registered because it helps local conservation efforts protect the very natural resources you enjoy boating and fishing in for generations to come. Do your part at TakeMeFishing.org. Back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World on Rural Radio, Sirius XM. And welcome back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World right here in Rural Radio. And if you've just tuned in, we're having a live discussion here at the Hunting and Shooting Sports Conservation Council meeting. And I've got with me now one of the council members, Wayne Hubbard. And uh, he really brings a unique perspective to this council, bringing inner city people outdoors. Wayne, welcome to Outdoor World Radio. Well, thank you very much. It's, it's exciting to be here. And I've actually been on the council. I was actually with the the, the, the past council, which was the hunting, shooting, you know, hunting while I, I was at the past council. <laughs> So, oh. so, but it's really good to be here and seeing that we're making progress, engaging all communities yeah. to connect to nature and getting people out hunting and fishing, which yeah. is really important to all of us. It is. It is. Well, you know, what does this mean for you to be on this hunting and shooting sports conservation council? I mean, you've had some great input here at this meeting, but tell our listeners why it's important for you to be here. Well, what's, why it's very important to be here is, is that I represent a community that traditionally you don't see in the outdoors. And for me, I want to be able to say, hey, hunting and fishing is for everyone, regardless of if you live in the urban community, rural, uh, you know, it's something that's part of America and the experience. So I, I think for me to be able to say, hey, I'm here and I can give them a point of view from an urban perspective, it's really important. It really is. And, you know, as we look at the R3 movement of recruitment, retention, reactivation, I think you're probably on the front end of that, the first R of recruitment. How do you go about bringing people to the outdoors from the inner city. How do you do that, Wayne? Well, a lot for the last 15 years, I've done urban kids fishing derbies where we go and we create fishing experiences in those communities. And then what we do with that is we then take those same kids that we work with and then we take them into hunting opportunities. We take them into hot hiking opportunities. So I create a model to catch, you know, a lot of times no one's talking to them. No one's talking about the great experience of outdoors. So I go in, we make these these events and it's just a door to bigger and better opportunities. Those same youth that I work with, I want to see them working in this 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 great uh, experience of hunting, fishing, being in being in this room. Uh huh. Well, tell me some of your mentors that uh, uh, that have helped you in in your efforts. People that uh, have inspired you, and then how do you go about touching all these different folks in the inner city to to get them outdoors? Because I know with with many, they have to be maybe almost fearful of, of the unknown. Oh, yeah. So, for me, 
one of the things my, my grandfather hunted and fished. I oh, grew wow. up, I grew up, uh, you know, a lot of people see me in, in this real environment, but I grew up in Oklahoma and that was part of life. We went out fishing, we went out hunting and we brought it back and we cooked it and grandma did and mom did some amazing <laughs> things. So, uh, for me, this is just a part of life and I want to be able to give that experience to others. So f- how I got started with Urban American Outdoors, I host Urban American Outdoors TV show. What I wanted to do is I didn't see anyone with diversity in the outdoors. Mm-hmm. So we created this show, the show Diversity from a Different Perspective, showing outdoors from a different perspective. And it just blew up. Uh, and so we were airing across the company and we started getting all of these calls saying, hey, can my child, can I uh, come go fishing? Can I go hunting? So we started doing these fishing derbies. And we initially thought that we were going to have 50 kids. Our first derby we had, what was 750 kids show up to, to go fishing. <laughs> and then we realized there was a need. So we started working and doing these events uh, in Kansas City and then went across the country. So I actually do a fishing derby on the Washington Mall every year. Is that right? Yeah. Wow, wow. Yeah. Well, and, how, how, maybe, maybe there's some folks that are saying... I've got some inner city kids that would like to do that. How would they get in touch with well, I always you tell do a, that? I always tell a person, go online and look up Urban American Outdoors. Look up Wayne Hubbard. And my email address is uh, uaotv at aol.com. Use that one because they can give me that away. Well, some of the issues that the council is dealing with, you know, you were on the former council mm-hmm. and uh, under President Obama. Mm-hmm. And uh, now, of course, under President Trump. What are some of the key issues here in the council that are really important to you? Access. Okay. Access, mentoring, and engagement. Mm-hmm. If we don't have access to take these young people, and, 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 I, and I'm talking young people, but I talk to everyone. everyone we don't have yeah. access to take them to places. That's one of the big issues. The other more important thing is is having someone mentor. When they we get them there, have a mentor. So we have groups in here that's working not only on access, but getting mentors. And one of the other big passionate things is veterans. So what better way, what better way to have a mentor than having a veteran mentor these youth? That's my goal. How we can connect that and make hunting and fishing what it is for America. Well, you've said it so well, folks. That background noise, council members coming back in here to the chambers, but we still have just another minute here. Tell me about your uh, experiences this fall. You've been hunting. You've oh been my! Fishing. Oh my! Oh my! Good. I've been I've been chasing them hard. Uh, deer scene is amazing. Kansas, the rut, the oh, rut yeah. is kicking. Yeah. We had we just did our, our opening of pheasant pheasant scene. We took kids out, and oh my God! Uh, I caught them, and now I'm cooking them. <laughs> there you go. Well said there. How about a Thanksgiving message? You know, our country is celebrating a, a great holiday, giving thanks for the many blessings we have in life. Say, give us a little Thanksgiving hello to everybody out there. I want to say hello to everyone for Thanksgiving. Have a beautiful one. Have a blessed one. And enjoy that turkey. There you go. That's Wayne Hubbard, folks. And you're listening to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. We'll be right back with another guest, another member of the Hunting and Shooting Sports Conservation Council. And we will be right back. Sirius XM's Rural Radio, your gateway to the rural lifestyle. This is Rob Keck, host of Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, with the latest information about hunting, fishing, and more. This is Janet Atkinson, host of FFA Today, your in-depth look at the nation's premier youth organization. Get connected with Real Ag Radio. This is Sean Haney. We'll talk markets, agronomy, machinery, and cover the real-time issues affecting farmers and ranchers in all of North America. Rural Radio, Sirius XM 147, or listen on the Sirius XM app. Concerned about your local quail populations? Do you care about wildlife, the environment, and our outdoor heritage? Join Quail Forever today and make a difference for wildlife in your area. Quail Forever empowers local chapters with the tools to improve habitat for your area's quail populations. To join or start your own local Quail Forever chapter, contact the Quail Forever National Headquarters toll-free at 1-866-457-8245 or on the web at www.quailforever.org. Back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World on Rural Radio, Sirius XM. And welcome back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. And again, we are here in Washington, D.C. at the meeting of the Hunting and Shooting Sports Conservation Council. I have with me here another member of that council. He comes from Delta Waterfowl, my good friend John Devney. John, welcome to Outdoor World Radio. Yeah, thanks for having me, Rob. Why is it important for you to be here at this council meeting? Well, I mean, 
when you think about what's important to ducks and duck hunters, the Fish and Wildlife Service and Department of Interior and the Department of Agriculture are the two most important things in our universe. And here's an opportunity to have the ear of both those secretaries and their staff about the issues that are most important to my members, the duck hunter. And so it's really an unprecedented opportunity to have impact on scales that is pretty impactful. And, Lord, you know this, Rob, as well as anybody. You've been involved with this council far longer than I have. And it's just it's really an incredible opportunity to do big things for the resource and big things for hunters. Yeah, well, the council itself, we've got listeners out there saying, okay, council, hunting, shooting, sports, conservation, what is it? Give us your interpretation of what this council is and what it really hopes to achieve. You know, when it was initially started, I think it was the opportunity identified by the White House at the time. How do we engage stakeholders in hunting and conservation? And, and so over the years, it's sort of morphed and changed and morphed and changed. But, you know, the council has a specific responsibility to give insight and input to both the Secretary of the Interior and Secretary of Agriculture on issues that matter to sportsmen. So that's our role, is to provide that input, uh, be a sounding board for the two secretaries, the bureaus, and the agencies with the goal of doing good by both the resource and sportsmen. How do state agencies and NGOs sort of fit into this equation? Well, I mean... You're certainly hearing a lot over the last couple of years, both especially within Department of Interior, wanting to be good partners with states. We know the states have an essential role in managing most wildlife species, and they want to be good partners. And, and I think the NGOs play an important role as you look around the table, uh, Rocky Mountain Elks here, Mule Deer's here. Um, Ducks and Limits been well represented over the years, Pheasants Forever, lots of NGOs. And it gives us another opportunity to sort of speak with, uh, I guess, some expertise on the issues that manage those particular critters. Well, what can a federal advisory committee, and this, by the way, is a federal advisory committee, what can, can a federal advisory committee do that a member of the public or a sportsman's group, you know, such as Delta Waterfowl, uh, cannot do? Well, I think we've been on the outside of this process looking in for a, for a long time. And so to be here and to have the year and the opportunity to really talk about the issues that are important to us, the resource we care about and the hunters we care about, I think it's a pretty unprecedented opportunity. As you know, these are big agencies with big staff, and this gets right to the direct point of impact. Well, certainly the council's mission, it's, it's fairly broad that sometimes you wonder, how do you take advantage of all the talent that's represented here around this table, the council membership? Any thoughts on that and how we best take advantage? I know you chair a committee. And we've got committees that are focused on various things of importance here. Tell us about that. Well, I think the key is, and I think Chairman Jeff Crane's done a great job of focusing us on high-impact items that we know that can have some durability. And we don't want to spend all of our time sort of, you know, jumping over nickels. Um, we want to make sure we're doing things that move the needle for wildlife, move the needle for sportsmen. And I think there's a lot of outcomes that we're working on the council that will achieve just that. What are some of the key issues, just maybe the top one, two, or three, that the council's engaged in since its inception? You know, the, the access piece that was outlined in the sec early secretarial orders, I think, is a huge one. Uh, make sure that hunters have opportunity and access to their federal lands has been a huge priority. Farm bill implementation has been a big priority. Chronic wasting disease has been a big priority. There's been a lot of great work done by the chairman. Uh, in the committees to make sure that we're populating good ideas for the council to consider. Tell us about Delta Waterfowl. You know, Rob, really old duck organization, goes all the way back to 1911, uh, changed a lot over the years, was a, or, you know, basically an organization of very quiet duck science geeks for most of its history, and the organization has changed over time. You know, we think of ourselves as a duck hunters organization. We're looking for more opportunities for duck hunters, looking to produce more ducks for duck hunters, and then doing innovative things through our research, R3 programs, and duck production work to make sure that we leave the world a better place for ducks and duck hunters. Duck season's in. Tell us about uh, the flyways. Are they all producing lots of ducks? We had great duck production in the U.S. prairies this year. Pretty dry in the Canadian prairies, but I just know we had great duck production. We're going to send lots of young 
dumb duck south this year, which is what we know duck hunters want is they move down the flyways. Have you been hunting this fall? I, I just, I know, I almost know the answer to this, but have you been? How has it been? You know, our duck season was really challenging just because we froze real early, we had snow real early, and we had lots of water. Uh, we had some wonderful hunts. Looking forward to a few more here. If we can keep a little more water open back home, we'll have a few more good hunts at home. That's great. Well, it's Thanksgiving week. Uh, why don't you give us a Thanksgiving message, things you're thankful for here in the great outdoors? Well, I mean, I I wouldn't be as passionate about the things I am today if it wasn't for my dad taking me out, throwing a burlap sack over me when I was four years old and telling me to shut up alongside a duck pond. And so I think we have a huge obligation to make sure that happens. Uh, I hope I'm a little nicer than my old man was. Don't throw gunny sacks over my kids. But we have a huge responsibility both to the resource and the legacy of hunting to make sure we're good stewards of it every day and we're working hard to promote and protect it. Great job. John, folks, you can hear the noise. The council is about ready to reconvene with Secretary Purdue. We're going to be right back with another member of the council, and you're listening to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. And this is Rob Keck, your host. We will be right back. Years ago, sportsmen led the first revolt to save what was left of North America's dwindling wildlife resources, and it took purpose and commitment. This crusade began with Theodore Roosevelt's forming the Boone and Crockett Club in 1887. Since then, sportsmen and women have been at the forefront of every environmental revolution in this country, providing the vision, funding, and manpower to establish and run what has become the most successful system of wildlife management in the history of mankind. Yet to this day, our story remains relatively unknown, especially to those who don't hunt or fish. We must tell this story, but we need to do more than that. We must insist that others who claim to be conservationists but work tirelessly on campaigns to end all hunting honestly examine the evidence and then ask themselves where would the wildlife they cherish be without sportsmen's dollars and without sportsmen's efforts. Conservation had a beginning, but it has no end. To learn more, visit booneandcrocketclub.com. Back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World on Rural Radio, Sirius XM. And welcome back to this segment of Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World right here uh, in beautiful downtown Washington, D.C. We're here at the Hunting and Shooting Sports Conservation Council meeting. We've met with the Secretary of the Interior. We've met with a couple of the council members. Also part of this uh, this meeting was one where we had uh, uh, the new Assistant Secretary for Fish, Wildlife, and Parks that uh, addressed us, sat in on the meeting, a great man from Wyoming, the great state of Wyoming, Rob Wallace. Rob, welcome to Outdoor World Radio. Rob, it's a pleasure to be with you. I've heard a lot about your program, but never in, uh, once in my life thought I'd ever be on it. Well, let me tell you, it's an honor to be here with so many conservation-minded people, people that have committed themselves to to the future of our outdoors and uh you know this is uh, a place where people come and go but you are bringing i think just uh, a, ba- a vast wealth of knowledge uh coming from the state of wyoming yeah you're growing up in the outdoors tell us about the job of assistant secretary of fish wildlife and parks well, Rob, the Assistant Secretary of Fish, for Fish, Wildlife, and Parks has the supervisory authority over both the uh, National Park Service and the uh, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Uh, taken uh, together, those two agencies have about 27,000 employees and a little less than 1,000 a, a units between wildlife refuges and national parks. We're in uh, all 50 states and five U.S. territories. There's a park or wildlife refuge in, in every one of those. I can't even imagine how you absorb all the many different avenues, the facets, uh, you know, departments, the people, the personnel. How do you acclimate yourself to, to what's happening there within interior, with uh, in the responsibilities that you have? Uh, I mean, I just can't even begin to wrap my arms around it. How do you address that? 
Well, you, I think you hit it correctly, Rob. The learning curve for this job goes straight up every, every single morning. But I'm uh, fortunate to be surrounded by dedicated men and women from both the uh, Fish and Wildlife Service and the National Park Service that get up every morning, whistle us, they go to work, and uh, fully embrace these wonderful areas that we have responsibility for. We are just actually, uh, we departed the meeting. We made a trip out to Aquaquan uh, National Wildlife Refuge, did a piece out there on Thanksgiving. And, uh, you know, uh, Rob, in just a few days, our nation's going to be celebrating Thanksgiving. And, you know, our great nation has so much to be thankful for. And, and if you don't mind, I'd like for you to just share some things that you are thankful for there at Interior, uh, our nation your state, your family. Give us a Thanksgiving thought. Well, it's uh, so much to be thankful for that uh, we'd probably have to come back and do four or five of these uh, <laughs> segments to get them all in. But, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for the visionaries that uh, uh, saw the value of protecting refuges and, and parks that go back uh, back into the first national park in 1872 and first refuges started coming together even before that Uh, and today they've grown into this uh, uh, envy of the world uh, thanks to those visionaries and uh, you know it's a little self-serving it also shout out to people like you that have uh, worked your entire life to uh, make sure that there's uh, wild turkeys in uh, almost any state that wants one now and uh, others like you that have seen the conservation legacy of partnerships between uh, conservationists, hunters, uh, and governments uh, working together to make uh, America the envy of the world for outdoor recreation. Well, you've mentioned a key word, partnership. I know many times I'm given really undue credit for the leadership or the involvement I had in the restoration of wild turkey across the country. But that word partnership, I know, is very, very important to Interior. It's important to our entire wildlife community. Share with us uh, your thoughts on uh, partners, uh, who some of those major partners are in helping get the job done. Uh, You've got many volunteers. Talk to us a little bit about that partnership and its importance in getting the job done. It's interesting, Rob, about partnerships. You know, partner is probably the easiest word, word to say. But it's hard to implement. It takes it takes a, a commitment by not only uh, a, a federal partner, a private partners, but an ability and a willingness to work together. Uh, and if you do work together, the benefit is that organizations and and issues that you care about fight above their weight because it's uh, it's 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 more than just the sum of the parts that you get with these great partnerships uh the ones i think about in addition to of course the national uh, wild turkey uh organization but the uh, teddy roosevelt the conservation partnership is a wonderful advocate for um, sportsmen in my world in washington dc national fish and wildlife foundation and others that are uh, out there every day uh, thinking about ways to uh better the habitat for fish and wildlife. Well, you know, the Secretary talked this morning about uh, uh, just the amount of lands that have been opened in our wildlife refuges to to access, hunting access, and, uh, you know, it certainly addresses one of the top needs of hunters today, and it's finding a place to go. Uh, So many have have been challenged by the fact that uh, they don't know where to go, and, uh, the work that uh, I know Interior's been doing, I think 74 national wildlife refuges, 15 national fish hatcheries, uh, it's been just a tremendous opportunity uh, for hunters now. How would they go about finding some of those places that uh, have been opened up? Uh, I mean, when you look at over a million acres and uh, uh, the, the places that, you know, many of them are actually in the close proximity of some of our urban areas, how do they find them? Well, I'd send them initially to uh, the website FWS for Fish and Wildlife Service .gov, which is going to be uh, being more robust in uh, in informing the public on which of the refuges are now open for hunting and fishing. I know Secretary Bernhardt is uh, deserves a great amount of credit for uh, leading the way to open up over 1.4 million acres of uh, of refuge lands for hunting and fishing this last year and. We talk about uh, doing uh, much more than that uh, next year. 
Well, I know this has certainly been on uh, the agenda, the you know, with President Trump and his administration to to make sure that hunters did have access, that they do have access in the future. And I know the secretary mentioned also that uh, you know, in the next 14 months, there's some more exciting things uh, that are going to happen in opening up more public lands. Can you give us any insight into what maybe he was talking about there? Well, so note, note just before we um, uh, were happily uh, able to announce 1.4 million acres of, of, of refuges that are now open for uh, sportsmen that weren't open uh, in, a, in a previous year. Uh, in addition to now looking at another two to three million acres to open up uh, next year, there's a great deal of effort uh, underway to uh, make more sense out of the you know thousand plus different regulations that sportsmen face as they uh, come to hunt on public lands in an effort to greatly reduce the, the complications and confusion associated with so many regulations. That's another big I- I- initiative that the uh, Department of Interior under uh, Secretary Bernhardt has undertaken. Well, looking at the next 14 months, uh, uh, what do you see? What's what's top on your agenda as the Assistant Secretary of Fish, Wildlife, and Parks? What what do you want to see achieved here in this next time period? We have uh, so many different issues that uh, that, that intrigue me uh, and make me interested in working on. But some of the things that I think will be uh, most important to sportsmen is, as we already talked about, opening more public lands, uh, the role of partnerships. And we're very curious about exploring what we can do uh, better on, on e-permitting to make it easier for people to apply online uh, under a standard set of uh, regulations and a website that looks the same. And that's one of the areas that we're working hard to implement in the next 14 months. Yeah. Well, you've got a great team. And I know the the secretary mentioned that, you know, he is so blessed with some, some great leaders on your team. Tell us about how you interact with uh, the Fish and Wildlife Service and other agencies there with, within Interior. The key for my job is, is to find good people and trust them to do big jobs. Yeah. And I've been lucky to do that. Well, you have. Well, look, we're honored to have you, Rob, with us. A, a final word you'd like to share with our listeners before we break. Well, to all of you, and I know that Rob has a great deal of following, uh, thank you on behalf of the Department of Interior for your conservation ethics and everything you do to make America a, a more welcoming place for sportsmen. Thank you very much. You're quite welcome. Thanks for what you do. And that was Rob Wallace, the Assistant Secretary of Fish, Wildlife, and Parks. And this is Rob Keck, and we will be back shortly with the show. We are the young minds that will shape tomorrow's world. But today, the world is in your hands. What's your vision for the future? Since 1937, Ducks Unlimited has been the world leader in wetlands and waterfowl conservation. And we've had the same vision for the future for more than 75 years. A future with clean water, abundant wildlife, plenty of places to enjoy nature, and wetlands, sufficient to fill the skies with waterfowl today, tomorrow, and forever. Sure, there's still a whole lot of work to be done, but we know we can turn things around together because we are the next generation of DU conservationists. And with a little help from you, our future is looking really bright. Ducks Unlimited, working for conservation for generations to come. A public service from Ducks Unlimited. Back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World on Rural Radio, Sirius XM. And welcome back. And as we've mentioned, as you've been following along, we've been at the Hunting and Shooting Sports Conservation Council meeting here in Washington, D.C. at the Interior Building. And here to sort of put a bow tie on the meeting itself. The meeting's over, but we're here discussing it after hours. I've got four gentlemen with me that have all played a big role here on the council. I've got Blake Henning from the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. I've got Miles Moretti from the Mule Deer Foundation. I've got Casey Stemmler with U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and Keith Tidwell. You know, during this day, we, we've had a chance to discuss a number of issues from deregulation to access to just a variety of things that were important to you, wildlife corridors, you name it. And I want to go around and have each one of you just share a little bit of the takeaway that uh, you felt here at this meeting today, maybe some of the opportunities that we have here uh, under Secretary Bernhardt, under Secretary Purdue. I'm going to start right here with Blake. 
Blake, give us a, a thought of what, what we did, what we accomplished today at this council meeting. Well, I'm very appreciative of the two secretaries joining us. So uh, Secretary Bernhardt and Secretary Purdue were both there. Uh, each spent a good half hour or so listening to some of our interests and our thoughts, and I, I think they received those well. One particular interest that I'm pretty positive about is a letter that the council sent to the, to the Department of Interior about Endangered Species Act and some of their regulations, new, new or modified regulations regarding endangered species recently and uh, the service made some changes I think they've heard from hunters on some concerns around grizzly bears and and wolves and and needing to be more proactive in delisting those animals and so I was encouraged about what I heard from those folks yeah and I in our interview with uh, with Secretary Bernhardt he talked about that very thing very important to him as well Miles, how about you? Well, I took away two things. Uh, I was really encouraged that Secretary Barnhart is supporting migration corridors from mule deer and elk and antelope. And that's a big deal in the West. Big deal in the West. And I'm also encouraged that he has developed a task force for CWD. And I'm really excited that Secretary Perdue has said, let me know your ideas on on CWD. Because uh, the Department of Agriculture is really the lead organization on getting funding and research out to the, the states and uh, trying to find a solution to that big problem. Yeah. Keith, I know you're representing veterans, and uh, you know certainly at this Thanksgiving time, we give thanks to our men and women in uniform that have given so much for the freedom that we enjoy outdoors to to live and be able to recreate in a way that uh, it's the envy of so many people around the world that can't do it. Give us your thoughts. I know you ask a number of questions today here during the council meeting. Well, I was just really encouraged and um, inspired, frankly, by both secretaries' commitment to recruitment, retention, and reactivation, and, and understanding that our veteran population and our, our currently serving military uh, servicemen and women are part of that recruitment and retention mission, and that their access to not only uh, lands but also to activities is important in terms of their own uh, participation in the American dream, but maybe even more importantly, their, their, uh, ava- the availability of the therapeutic and sort of healing aspects of, of our outdoor environments and hunting and fishing. I was just so impressed with with the commitment that they uh, demonstrated in their remarks, but also I will say uh, the the commitment demonstrated by the rest of the the board, the rest of the council uh, to to these veterans issues um, from from organization after organization that we would expect to step up, fully stepping up and uh, getting behind these veterans issues. I mean, I, I can't I can't uh, emphasize enough how inspiring that is and how how. Um, how easy it is for me to go back to my my home institute, uh, which is Cornell University, and and be able to advocate for this cause, for for these these wildlife species that uh, veterans and and military servicemen and women are are, are pursuing, and so uh, you know at the end of the day for me that the, the takeaway message is, you know there there is a whole universe of highly motivated hunters and anglers who will become conservationists in our military forces. And, and this organization, uh, this this group today, uh, did a great job of reaching out to those folks. Sure did. Casey, you've been with the Fish and Wildlife Service, what, forever? What, almost 30 years? You made a presentation today, an important part. You delivered a message uh, to the council. Uh, why don't you share that with us? Yeah, I think I would say two things that I took away from this today. As a lifelong hunter, uh, one of the big things that, that came out of today is how much effort is being put into access for hunters, particularly in the West, where we have a lot of issues with access to public lands. But the second thing I would say is that we talk about migration corridors and winter range, and as a hunter, one might ask, why do we care? Why do we care about these migration corridors and winter range? And I would say that, well, with the access, we want to make sure that the populations of elk and mule deer are sufficient for us to pursue and if they don't have quality habitat to do what they need to do from the winter to the summer to the in between that's what we're trying to accomplish here and at the end of the day 
um, for us to be involved in this and try to conserve the habitat that these species need so that there's sufficient populations that we can access, um, then everything that we do is for naught. So I thought today was a great opportunity for both secretaries to tell us what they felt about access and what they felt about uh, the big game migration corridors and winter range. And I think we are on a positive path moving forward. So. You know, we talk about access. I know, uh, Blake, one of the points that we made was that we're talking about having quality opportunities in that access, that those lands are managed optimally. Do you want to add anything to that? Well, you're right, Rob. Access is such a buzzword, and and a lot of us are working hard on it, and, and we cannot forget that it has to be quality habitat, quality access where we have game on the ground. A hunter doesn't want to go out to a dirt wheat field and think that's access. You've got to have forage and and habitats you got to have critters there that's that's a part of the access so there's a good chance of seeing something you know we've got a lot of lands where yeah you go spend time but the wildlife's not there and of course we've got to manage uh, okay i've got just just about uh, two and a half minutes one word about the elk foundation we're a lot about access today at Mule Deer Foundation is working hard on habitat. We want to see healthy forests, healthy rangelands. The therapeutic work that the organizations you represent for our military, huge. Tell us about some of those organizations just quickly, if you would. The, the two that stand out in my mind uh, most prominently are Wounded Warriors in Action Foundation, which is focused on Purple Heart recipients. These are combat wounded people that bled for our country who uh, are engaged in uh, you know quality world-class outdoor hunting and fishing uh, activities. And the other organization is uh, Rivers of Recovery. Uh, Rivers of Recovery focused on cold water fisheries and fly fishing opportunities for combat wounded veterans. Those two organizations, I think, uh, epitomize uh, the space that we're in, the mission that we're, that we're about in terms of introducing and or re-exposing uh, uh, folks to, to these outdoor environments and the therapeutic in, uh, attributes of them. Uh, and the and the powerful value of being in the outdoors, hunting and fishing, in terms of a solve to the soul. And so th- those are the two groups that I would say are, uh, are at the top of the list for, from my standpoint. Casey, you told me you're going to be taking your daughter whitetail hunting in Nebraska when you get back home. Tell us about that. What does it mean to you to be able to take your daughter? And I know you share it with your wife as well, but to, to be in a stand with her, to I mean, you've been on turkey hunts with her. What's this going to be like for you? Yeah, so, you know, the, the thing that I would say about all of this is that, uh, you know, I hope we raise our kids so that they do the things that we all enjoy doing. And it builds character and it builds responsibility, and I, I can't wait for this opportunity. But what I would like to say in closing is that I know a lot of folks I grew up with at Hunt and Fish. We are all sit back in our chairs and we think that the hunting and fishing opportunities will always be there for us. But in this day and age, if we don't start to engage, actively engage, we will lose what we have now. So please start taking an initiative to engage. Thanks, Casey. And I just wish all of you happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for the work that you do. You're making this country a much better place to live. Well, folks, that's going to wrap it up right here in Bass Pro Shops, where your adventure always starts right here. Thanks for answering the call. That call to conservation and preserving our rich hunting, fishing, and trapping heritage. We'll see you next week. This has been Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, talking all things outdoors, brought to you by Bass Pro Shops, your outdoor leader. Join us next Saturday and every Saturday for more special guests and unique locations right here on Rural Radio, the agribusiness and western lifestyle channel.